Amen? You know, amen's that uh, little word that we say to a big God. And it means so be it. And uh, we've said amen is kind of a declaration that we make as Christ followers because we understand that God is with you. You know, you understand and know that God is faithful and God is good, and we accept life as it kind of comes to us. You know, in the song it said, if there's anything that I would say, it's that the whole world would seek your face. And in spite of who I can be, God, please reign in me, reign in me. It's a prayer. And what it is a way of life. And the fact is, we can say amen to that. The, the psalmist said this, it says, The Lord is great and is to be highly praised. His greatness is beyond understanding. See, there is a lot that we know about God. We know about his character. We know about his nature. We, we know the covenants that are in the Bible. We know about God's holiness. Our God is committed to, to justice and has an incredible, incredible love for people, for all people. And that's the, the kind of God that we serve, and we know that about him. You read throughout God's word, and if you spend enough time, you get to know God. And it leads you to love God, to trust God, and to worship God. But even when you pursue God with everything that is in you, everything in your heart and your mind, your body and soul, the, the greatness of God is really beyond understanding. There's a limit. Our finite minds, uh, what we're able to comprehend about God. And, and there are times when you think you got God all figured out, Right? And then God moves, and he does something that is way, way beyond your understanding. You know, God will make this display of power in life. He'll do something very unexpected. And you go, wow, (laughs) I did not see that coming. And I have had many, many moments through my life when, when I was just blown away by how God moved I was thinking about the fact that faith fellowship exists. It is a testament to the greatness of God. You know, when I look at how God has moved through the years, I just find myself going, wow, it's it's awesome. The, The impossible become possible. And I've had lots of only God, only God could do that moments. God cannot be boxed up. God cannot be confined. God can move outside of our understanding. And the fact is, it is just so limited. Our God's bigger than anything you face. Someone needed to hear that this morning. God is bigger than whatever it is you're thinking about right now. That's how big God is. And today we're going to look at a story that's found in the Old Testament And it's about a man who trusted God against incredible odds. You know, I I believe God can and do whatever God wants to do. 
You know, God could do something he believed that was impossible, that, that just seemed beyond what God could do, and he believed that God could do it. You know, there are three key players in our story, uh, Ahab, Jezebel, and Elijah. Ahab is one of a long line, terrible leaders. He was over northern Israel at the time. It says, but Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. I love this line here. Even more than any other king before him. Wow. That's how bad he was. And to make matters worse, he's married to a very evil woman, Jezebel. I mean, it's interesting to me. Jezebel, you, even if you don't know much about the people, about the Bible, you go, oh, I know who Jezebel is. You know. Ahab and Jezebel, they rule 22 years. They establish the worship of Baal and Asherah. They, it becomes the national religion of Israel. You know, Baal, he, he's the sun god. Asherah, it's Baal's wife, uh, the goddess of fertility. And people believed in these false gods. They believed they were responsible for the plentiful crops that they had. In fact, they believed all the blessings in their life were from these two gods. And so guess what? They worshiped them. Elijah, he, he is watching the nation of Israel turn away from the one true God. And they start worshiping these false gods, the Baal and Asherah. And Elijah, he, he's tormented. When you read the scriptures, he's just tormented until he hits that point where he can't take any more of what's going on. He hits that point and he's like, that's it. No more. I've had it. And he hits his knees. And he's willing to be used by God at that point. In fact, he's willing to lay down his life to bring Israel back to the true God. How many of you uh, watched uh, Popeye growing up? I'm not even sure it can be on TV anymore. I, I don't know. I always liked Popeye. But uh, you remember, he would see something happening, and he hit that point where he couldn't take it anymore. And he'd go, that's all I can stand, I can stand no more, you know. And then he'd rip open the can of spinach. And he would take on whoever, whatever, you know, and he, you know. Elijah has a Popeye moment. Have you ever had a moment like that? When you say, that's it. That's all I can stand, and I can stand no more. I can't stand what I'm seeing. I can't stand the injustice. I can't stand how people are behaving. I cannot stand the complacency. I can't stand it. It drives you to your knees in your life, and you think, if it costs me everything, I've got to do something. Elijah prays a very selfless prayer. It's a bold prayer. It's a high-risk prayer to a big, big God. 
And God calls Elijah to go see King Ahab, to confront him, to confront culture. And so Elijah gets an audience with Ahab, and he goes to him, he says, because of your idolatry, God sent me to tell you there will be no more rain until God says so. Now, I'm trying to put myself in Ahab's shoes. I imagine he's looking at Elijah going, you're insane, boy. You're just insane. But guess what happened? There's a major drought, which lands Elijah on the king's most wanted list. And the orders are, dead or alive, doesn't matter. We want him. God warns Elijah to go into hiding. And so he goes to the Kareth uh, ravine uh, and, he, and he hides out. It's a place where God's going to take care of him, provide for every single need that he has. There's a spring that provides him water and then ravens bring food into him. It's like Grubhub, you know, every day, bring him a new order. It's the same thing, but, uh, you know. Three years, God took care of Elijah. Three years, there's a drought in the land and people are dying. Three years, and then God instructs Elijah to come out of hiding and says, go see Ahab again. Scripture says, when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? See, Ahab, instead of acknowledging his sin, instead of repenting, Ahab's like, you troublemaker. Because of you, we're having a drought in the land. People are dying because of you. You know, it's interesting. When it, when it comes to sin, we want to blame, don't we? We want to blame everybody else, everything else for our problems. When the issue, well, many times it rests with us. Elijah, he, he fires back. He says, I've made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commandments of the Lord and have worshipped the image of Baal instead. Why do we mistakenly believe that we can pursue anything we want with no consequences? I mean, why do we mistakenly believe that that we can remove God from the top spot in our lives, in our schedules, in our priorities, in our families, in our resources? I mean, why do we think we can do that, you know, wrap our hearts around anything we want and that it'll be okay? I mean, we, we think God will bless us anyway, right? That's the way people think. It's the way we think sometimes. Oh, God will bless me anyway. And, and here, here's what gets me, I guess. We are so shocked when things don't work out for us. When, when we experience a drought, so to speak, in our lives. 
Elijah, he, he's confronting a very popular idea in his day because culture believed that they could worship all kinds of gods and that it was okay. And I, I know when you read a scripture like this, people go, well, you know, worshiping like idols, like wooden idols, golden idols. I, I mean, that's archaic. I, I don't do that. You know, I believe in, in the one true God. We say that, but the, if the truth were known, we are worshiping a lot of false gods in our lives. You know, people today, we're more sophisticated, right? But we worship things like money, material possessions, cars, homes, careers. You know, image is important. And friends, I will tell you, those are all false gods. All of them. When you put anything above God... When you put anything else on that throne in your life, it's idolatry and it's sin. And so just a question this morning, something for you to wrestle with. What false gods are you serving? What what are you putting ahead of God in your life? What false god, what is it that you love more than God? Take a look at your schedule. Assess your priorities. Think think about how you spend your resources, your time, your talents. I mean, it's it's worth asking yourself. Elijah, he uh, goes to the king, and he invites the king and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. He says, let's go up on the mountain. Go up on Mount Carmel. And so everybody gathers on Mount Carmel. People throughout the land are coming to watch. Elijah's going to call them out. Says this, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? What are those two? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. Elijah, he extends a challenge on top of Mount Carmel. He invites 850 prophets and priests of, and priestesses of Baal, Asherah. He invites them and he says, we're going to have a contest up here. It's a throwdown, man. Elijah challenges those prophets. He says, here's what I want you to do. We're all going to build altars, going to put sacrifices on them, and then you pray, you do whatever it is you need to do to get your God's attention, and I'll do the same thing. And the God that sends fire consumes the offering, wins the challenge, and that God will be worthy of worship. Oh, yeah, and by the way, whoever loses this one, well, they don't get to go home. This is a death match, so losers die. The prophets of Baal, they build their altar, they place their offering on it. 
Scripture says they're praying, they're dancing from morning till noon, and there's no response. And I, I love Elijah because it says at noon he began to taunt them. Hey, shout a little louder there. Yeah, surely, if it's God, perhaps maybe, maybe he's sleeping here. You know, deep thought, busy, traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and you got to wake him up. He's the original trash talker, wasn't he? I mean, he's taunting. Scripture says they started shouting louder. They, 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 they started cutting themselves. They, they're trying to get Baal's attention. They raved all afternoon until the time, the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, and no response. No fire. Nothing. It's a bust. And the, the prophets of Baal, now, they're, they're exhausted, and I'm guessing they're frustrated at this point. Now it's Elijah's turn. He builds an altar. He places his offering sacrifice on it. And then he digs a trench around it, Scripture says, and he drenches it with water. Not once, not twice, not three times. No, he has four huge, and I'm talking big things of water, till everything's just soaked. It's mud all around him. This is high drama here. Elijah prays, and Scripture says, fire falls from heaven, and it burns up the sacrifice, burns up all the wood, burns up the altar. In fact, it scorched the ground. Everything is consumed around it. And when the people saw this, they threw themselves on the ground and exclaimed, the Lord is God. The Lord alone is God. Can you imagine that? It's an amazing story. And the thing I love about it, the good guys win, right? I remember the very first time I heard this story. I was a kid. I was in Sunday school. They presented it in high-tech flannel graph. <laughs> Do you, how many of you remember flannel graph? Yeah, one-dimensional figures. They, sometimes I'd look at the pictures and think, who drew that? Uh, you know, I mean, they, they, they just weren't, weren't all that. But I will tell you, I was captivated by this story. I always have been. I mean, I loved it. It was amazing. And at the time, I did not understand the point of the story, all right? I thought it was kind of my dad can beat up your dad, you know, kind of story. I did not think about what was motivating Elijah. I didn't think about why he wanted to have this contest. I, I didn't think about why God displayed his power that day. But I now know that it all tracks back to Elijah's prayer. You know, scripture says, answer me, Lord. Answer me. What? What's the next two words? 
so that, I love those words, so that, so that the, the people who've lost their way, so that the people who are bowing down to these wrong, false gods, they, so that they will know that you're the Lord and are the God and that, they are bringing, that you are bringing them back to yourself. So that is the key. So that is why everything happened on Mount Carmel. See, Elijah sets the the contest up, but it's not for his own purpose. It's not for his agenda. It's not for his fame. No, it's none of those things. He does it so that, so that God could be acknowledged as the one true God. You know, so that the, the people would turn from those idols that they were following so that the people would return and have a relationship with God. It's a so that. I mean, he put his life on the line here for that purpose. It was God's purpose. If fire had not come, Elijah would have been killed. Now, I want you to listen very, very carefully to what I'm going to say. There are some things that are very predictable about how God wields his power in your life. It flows through people who have a passion to bring glory to his name. You know, that power flows through people who yearn to see people freed up in their lives from the false gods of this world. It flows through people who put his purpose in front of their own purpose. It's what God has done throughout history. And so it's one question really today. When you pray, what is your so that? What is it? You know, when you ask God to pour out his power in your life some way, is it for his glory? Is it for his gain? Is it for his kingdom? Or is it mostly for you? Now, true confession here. If I'm not careful, the majority of my prayers tend to digress. They tend to be mostly about my comfort, my wants, my pleasures, my agenda. I want my kingdom to come and my will be done. I think it's quite common that we struggle with this. You know, James writes this, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Too many times the reason why we don't see God's power in our life is because we try and manipulate God. For our purpose. You ever do that? Am I the only one? 
It's a struggle, isn't it? Elijah puts his life on the line. He is outnumbered 850 to 1. And he cries out to God and asks God to act. Why? So that all Israel will come to faith. And they'll come to believe in the one true God. It's those two words. So that. That's what caught the attention of heaven. It was the so that that turned the transcendent power of God loose in his life. It's the so that that ultimately would bring down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel that day. Anybody frustrated these days with God? Any, anybody dis, disappointed with God right now? You know, you've been tugging on God. You've been asking God to do something for you. And he's not cooperating. You know, God, change, change my spouse, please. You know, God, fix my boss. They're driving me crazy. You know, God, give, give me a raise. You know, do this for me, please. And let me just ask you straight out. Have you analyzed your so that lately? Think, think about your most recent prayers. Oh God, fix my spouse so that I don't have to conform and be more like Jesus. You know, so, so that I, I, I don't need to change or, or grow myself. You know, God, fix my spouse so that they, they'll, they'll cater to me and do what I want them to do. You know, God, give me a raise. Give me a raise. You know, so I can have nicer things in my life. You know, so I can travel more, maybe retire early. You know, God, give me, give me more so I can consume more. I mean, what's your so that in your life? Does your so that get to the heart of Elijah's prayer? So that people are drawn to God? So that people might grow in their relationship with God? So, so I could be a voice in their life? So, so that, they, that I might serve more? You know, so that your kingdom would come, Lord. Your will be done through my life. Friends, God responds to those kind of prayers. And it has to do with the so that. I, I recently, I've been kind of, uh, you know, just reflecting about uh, the church and, and when we started the church and, you know, how God just ignited a passion in people. I mean, it started with a few people just dreaming, saying, you know, maybe, maybe we could start a church that does things differently. So that we could reach people that don't know God. So that we, we could touch the lives of people that have given up on church. You know, so that we could connect with people right where they are and love them where they are. Help them become a better version of themselves. Help, help them in a relationship, you know, lead them so that they're growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. 
so that we could mark eternity with our lives. And God's blessed us, hasn't he? I mean, he has. And I believe if we continue to pray with the right so that, I'm absolutely convinced that the power of God will continue to flow through us. That we will see God's power and experience his favor. But it all comes down to two words. So that. So that. Makes a difference in this church. And your so that will make a difference in your life. God works when the so that is right. Back to the question, what's your so that these days? See, God loves people. And God's interested in having a relationship with every single person where they're at. God has a plan. God has a plan for this broken world. And I think God's going to continue to show up in increasing ways. And when those opportunities come, we're going to follow God. And we're going to pray for a greater manifestation of his power in this church and in our lives. Why? So that people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So, so that more people's lives will be changed. You know, so that people will find hope in a time when it's kind of hopeless. So that the poor will be served. So that the broken will be healed. So that eternity will be marked. And I wonder, are you up for that kind of future in your life? Do you want God to move? Well, friends, if you are, I would ask you to start praying regularly. And pray bold prayers Ask God to pour out his power in your life and in the church, you know, so that we can touch more people for Jesus Christ, so we can serve more people who are hurting, so we can save more marriages, so we can help families that are struggling, so that we can teach children to love God more, so that we can bring hope to a world that's just struggling. I mean, we can pray like that, can't we? We can pray powerful prayers if our prayers, if, you notice I said, if our prayers align with God's purpose, God's passion, if our prayers expand his kingdom, if we do that, it brings his power into our lives but we've got to keep this so that. Got to keep it straight. Got to keep it straight. So that, Lord, lives are changed. I don't know what your prayers are these days, but I would challenge you to kind of take a step back from them. 
and say, okay, what's my so that? What's, what's it really about? It's a painful process, I will tell you, if you're honest with yourself. But it's a necessary process if you want to see God's power unleashed in your life. See, it's a purifying process. God, do this so that this will happen. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, hear our prayers. God, I know you hear us. In fact, you know before we even say it. You know what's on our heart. What's bothering us, what we're struggling with. You know about the problem before there was a problem. God, whatever it is, when we lay it before you, help us to be clear and pure about what our so that is. God, we long to see your power displayed. We long to see lives changed. We long to see people fall on their knees before you and know that you're the one, true, the only, the only option. The only place they're going to find hope, peace. The only place they're going to be able to escape the fears and the anxieties. God, we lay our stuff before you. And we long to see you move. We long to see your power displayed. God, I thank you that you're a God that cares, that we can just have a conversation with, and that you're more than able to move mountains, remove obstacles bring healing, to bring hope. God, we thank you for your mercy, your grace. God, I thank you. You love us even when we're not terribly lovable sometimes. God, may we hit our knees and believe in a God that's more than able Whisper in our ears when we doubt. Give us strength to be a light in this world, to be a voice. May we always bring you glory and praise with everything we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. God's people said, amen. Let's let's worship together and stand. uh, There'll be prayer teams down front. If you would like to have prayer for something going on, uh, let them pray for you this morning. Let's worship together.